This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Always Remember Others may hate you Alright Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the one and only Mod State Podcast um, Welcome to maybe the first edition in a long time I suppose it's rebranded to uh, individual solo podcast by myself, your Mod State host, co-host. Um, but here I am. Yesterday, we ran into the situation where we had one technological issue after another. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do these podcasts bi-weekly. And I think one thing I like about that is we can condense uh, a lot of t- conversations into uh, a little over an hour. I think it's more engaging. I think what's frustrating is I've I've wanted the conversation to be a little bit more diverse. Um, and not just mean like, uh, you know, guests with diverse viewpoints, but diverse topics. But unfortunately, there seems to be this continuation of a few major topics. And you're stuck with Nate's thoughts um, on this episode, and I'm sure that my thoughts will probably uh, overlap with a number of topics that we've had over the last couple podcasts. So, <clears throat> we, John and I were uh, planning on having a uh, podcast together. However, it seems like technologically uh, everything was working against us yesterday, uh, including um, our interface and our uh, mixer and our Skype connection. And I sat down today thinking that maybe this would all work and I would uh, be able to get things, at least uh, from the better technology standpoint, our mixer and the mic would be able to do something solo and have great audio. However, uh, I am using the mic that we first bought and and used back in the day, I think episode one through 100. Uh, it's just a standalone little mic, and I used John used to call in on a cell phone, and I would sort of position myself in a way that uh, uh, the the cell and my voice would be somewhat equal. Um, so I call it manual EQ. Um, so yeah, I managed to pull this thing out, and it seems like all the other technology decided to uh, fail after. A couple years, but this old little blueberry standalone mic uh, is working well. So that's why you might hear a little bit of background noise, maybe a little echo. Uh, this is not the standard technology um, that we normally use. I'd like to throw a shout out to Chris at Guitar Center uh, in Glendale, Colorado, for actually caring about the products that I was trying to buy yesterday. Um, he wondered why I was buying. A new interface and then was looking at a, a, a pretty cool uh, new mixer which would allow for like multiple phone calls and and an easy control and I can imagine that working at Guitar Center you have a thousand people a day that come through and touch thousands of dollars worth of, worth of equipment and inventory and don't do anything so um, the fact that he gave me a time of day discussing this type, type of stuff either looks like um, I'm old enough to have money uh, <laughs> funny uh, or I was just um, coming across as genuine. But Chris, thank you. And if you're listening, this is a, a big individual shout out. So, um, but before we get started, as 
always from wherever in the world you are listening uh hello guten tag bonjour ni hao uh what else am i missing hola there's a bunch i'm missing but anyway thanks for tuning in um we continue to appreciate your comments and I would like to throw one out to Liz Douglas in New Zealand. Thank you for telling John to shut up. Uh, that was much appreciated. And for everyone else that has been following up with their uh, opinions on uh, current events, but also just uh, the love for the podcast in general, we appreciate you. And it, it really is, it's really meaningful to us. So what is the framework for Nate's thoughts? or whatever you want to call it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that my thoughts today are going to stray too far from uh, much of the narrative that you're seeing in media and wherever you're con you know, consuming your uh, current events. Um, what I will say is if you're consuming your events from Facebook, I think that uh, what you hear from me is going to be uh, fairly different from whatever you're picking up there. Um, anyway... Uh, gosh, where do we start? I will probably leave Afghanistan to the end um, and start uh, domestically. Uh, another reason why, you know, we had John and I didn't do a uh, old school cell phone call in is because. Uh, his family is hunkering down <clears throat> as a Category 4 Hurricane Ida slams into the Gulf Coast. Uh, for those of you um, internationally, that is the states of um, East Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and the panhandle of Florida. Um, it, it's interesting with hurricanes that hit this area. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see um, really epicenters of these hurricanes and and the destruction that happens on both the east and the west side of these hurricanes, it makes a difference. I am certainly not a hurricane expert and have not lived through many of them. And uh, so my thoughts are certainly going out to John's family and the amazing folks of the Gulf South. Um, this will actually be the largest hurricane that has hit the uh, Gulf Coast and I think the U.S. in general since I think like the uh, maybe the 1850s is something quite incredible. Um, interestingly enough, I, th I think we'll we'll have enough time uh, when we do our finally get our podcast uh, together back online that uh, you know Hurricane Katrina was wasn't a Category Four hurricane. It was ironically a, a lesser category, but the fact is that it just hovered over New Orleans for an extended period of time, dumping just a massive amount of, of rain. So there's always this grain of salt that I think uh, folks in the Gulf South carry uh, because, you know, category does mean something. However, I think they found that category also doesn't mean a lot. Uh, I think there's context to how it hits landfall, etc. But of course, you know, doesn't make it uh, any scarier or uh, or less scary. So... Um, you know, it, 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 I guess probably this is a good segue into COVID, um, because I, I think of my, uh, healthcare partners, 
um, in that area that are, I mean, especially in places like Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama, um, in some cases, Florida, that are now at a point um, um, like India and Brazil were not too long ago, uh, where they were uh, hospitals and, and medical centers are literally running out of oxygen, um, like actual oxygen tanks and concentrate in medical gases to take care of COVID patients. So now they are uh, stuck in this horrific uh, dilemma that here we are, we have to stay present. Um, I mean, healthcare and emergency disasters, it's a, it's a um, unnecessary burden that healthcare providers um, take on because you know, I think it's it's probably more, uh, at least the the principles and the values that I hold to the community that I'm taking care of, uh, are strong for me because it's something I learned in the military that you're always on call, and in a way, you know, the needs of others ultimately come before your own. And I can imagine that the healthcare providers in those very um, southern regions in the Gulf Coast have to contend with two things. They have to contend with uh, both the incredibly sick people that are in their hospitals, but also their families who are squaring, um, you know, squaring away the uh, prospect of a, an absolutely horrific outcome from these storms. And here we are um, in a lot of these southern states, um, are overwhelmed with COVID cases in their hospitals. And the statistics bear out that 99% of those that are hospitalized hospitalized with COVID are unvaccinated. And that's a real unfortunate situation that um, we as healthcare providers need to be present in facilities um, with incredibly sick people that didn't need to be sick in the first place uh, and now staring down a category four storm in their backyard. That should be wildly unacceptable to every single person on planet Earth. Um, which kind of segues into where we are. Uh, it is hard to not talk about COVID as it literally if affects and infiltrates every aspect of our life. Um, there are folks out there that are seem to be done with this uh, pandemic. I've been noticing some fairly ironic Instagram stories of recent that is like hashtag let's normalize not talking about COVID or hashtag normalize no COVID. Uh, and that's a, that's a very wonderful uh, and great position you can take uh, in the world. Uh, that is um, you either live off the grid somewhere, um, which you don't because you're posting on Instagram. Um, or you just have not been personally affected by it and you're over it. Well, if you're out there and you're listening to the Mod State podcast and you're anywhere in the world, um, it's not over. Uh, it's still very real and, and problematic. So let's, where are we uh, in COVID? Where, what, what is happening? And I think... Um, Certainly, I can speak to my current situation in healthcare that 
Um, the Delta variant is very real. Um, it's affecting at least our, our vaccinated patients in a way that um, is making them sick enough to uh, warrant um, at least dialysis in a different facility. And, in, and for the most part, they are fairly sick. Uh, my own father was infected with COVID and he was uh, fortunately vaccinated. And uh, it is my belief to this day that if he had not been vaccinated, my dad would be dead. Um, there's, there's really no question about that. So he made a, a very wise choice. Um, you know, and, and I think the stress that this put it, is putting on family and for context, my grandma had entered hospice and passed away at the same time that my dad was uh, full-blown COVID. And my mom was put in an incredibly impossible situation of having to really find a, um, uh, accommodations outside of my, my uh, childhood home and not being with my dad, who was not doing well. Um, and the stress that it brought to her was um, really, quite frankly, the most I've ever seen someone in, in, a, in an almost impossible situation. And I think I say this because this current situation that we have with COVID in the United States is putting families in impossible situations. And, you know, impossible looks different to each family. I think that just finding out that your family isn't even aligned principally on many things is an impossible situation. And that would be, for example, families that are struggling with maybe grandparents that aren't getting, well, it would be their parents, their kids' grandparents, uh, who are refusing to get vaccinated for one reason or another. And realizing um, that family is willing to put their, quote-unquote, um, health freedom and freedom and um and then whatever else ahead of their family. And that's a very hard thing to comprehend. It's a very, it's a very painful, it's a very sad realization. And I am sure that this is happening in um, a very high frequency across the world. But I mean, it's, it's, it's very clearly a reality in the United States. And uh, I mean, I've, I'm very aware of several cases very close to me where... Um, you know, parents have lied about their vaccine status, or um, or just are outright not getting it, and 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 that's very painful um, for for families. You know, I think there's a a healthy line between understanding where people stand, but then having to actually deal with it firsthand is um, is very tough. So, so where are we? Well, <laughs> we have a Delta variant that's raging. Um, <clears throat> And we are still struggling to get to our goals in the United States and across the world for, for broad vaccination. And uh, one thing that we're seeing pop up here in the United States is the use of a drug now called ivermectin, uh, which is a, a bovine in aquarium, aquarium, horse antiparasitic. Um, <clears throat> there's apparently these guidelines set out by the FLCCC or FLCCC, I don't know which one they go by. Um, it has a, a lot of wonderful um, cocktails of drugs that people can take. Um, and oh my God, I the irrationality, if you will, of people to be able to bend over backwards to accept 
uh, you know, very, very uh, both questionable and small scale studies with the use of specific drugs like ivermectin and cocktail doses of ivermectin and vitamin C and melatonin. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily <clears throat> crap on it from from a medical perspective because I'm not doing the research, and I certainly uh, am uh, more inclined to orient myself around the, if at all, anecdotal outcomes from millions of people getting vaccines to small groups and small studies throughout the world um, with these doses, these cocktail doses of preventative and and treatment regimens for COVID. Um, And I think like many people, it, it strains the neural connections and it gives me headaches thinking that this is what we have arrived at is alternative therapies um, that have not been promoted by federal government entities. Um, And it's incredibly frustrating. That's at least where we are in the United States. Now, I think most people um, who are unvaccinated aren't guzzling liquid ivermectin. Um, I think those who are not vaccinated are are not doing anything necessarily to prevent COVID. I hope that they are wearing masks and socially distancing, but I'm I'm not sure that that's the case. So I'm not saying that everyone who is unvaccinated is is guzzling ivermectin as a pre- uh, prevention slash treatment for COVID nineteen. I just think that there's a broad um, we're at this point where the, we're at this impasse, and and it's tough. I mean, I've got healthcare employees who are still um, refusing the vaccine. And it really isn't for anything uh, outwardly uh, against it. It's just this general apathy. Like, well, no, no, that's all good. Yeah, you know, I, and and it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> apathy uh being called out for something or, or or being asked about something, you know, it'd be it would just be more honest if they were to say, eh, I just never got around to it and I'm pretty young and I think I'm good. Um, which is which what's frustrating is hearing the justifications behind it. The oh like not even really defensive. I don't think anyone's gotten defensive. I think it's just um the multiple justifications or the goalpost moving as to the reason we're not getting it is what's more frustrating than just saying like, I don't want it. Uh, I don't have to tell you why. Uh, I just don't feel like it's for me. Um, which leads us to sort of the crux of the issue in the United States. Um, you know, I, I talked to, um, someone who's very close to me, who's been on the front lines of this for the last 18 months. And, you know, I was, I was, I was curious as to kind of his thoughts and his opinions, and he said, you know, it just hasn't affected children yet. And once it begins to affect children at the rate that it's affecting adults, um, we will see a rapid, a rapid rush to to squash this. And you know, I told him like, well, it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, we're we're not in a position here in the United States where. 
uh, or the world where viruses somehow uh, have met their quota and uh, they're just better viruses now. You know, they're, we don't, we, our principles, we, we don't, att- uh, we don't attack women and children. So, um, well, thank God, at least they're safe from future variants of COVID. So, um, but it will get worse. The, the virus will mutate um, and it'll eventually um, mutate to the point where it will affect children the way it will affect adults. And uh, that will be a really horrible place uh, I imagine, which which kind of leads me to the conversation of, you know, what there's a lot of conversation around personal liberty and freedom, and in the United States, um, there is this absolute, um, you know, we put we put individualism, we put rugged individualism. Uh, on a pedestal in the United States, the idea that we are our own compass, we are our own decider of like our destiny, and we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we work hard, and we create for ourselves, and in some cases, it's it's only us, and it's an us against the world. And as an American, there is nothing more, um, there's nothing almost more American than that, right? And it's that freedom, that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And I think it is almost a good thing that we are in a position where we can see where everyone stands in terms of their relationship to those three tenets in American of American lore, in American politics, in American fabric, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it's interesting because we are in a situation where we're, we're very aware of how everyone interprets life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's not often that we see these... Uh, these tenets brought to light and put on display in a way um, that that's so obvious and so tangible. And, you know, we, I think we see it in events in American history. I think we see it surrounding war. We see it surrounding national tragedy. We see, um, but we see this, this, uh, we see this, Amplified, but but it, but also under. There's a collective. Um, there's a collectiveness. There's a uh, commons, if you will. There's there's a, an event by which everyone can surround themselves by. I think of nine eleven, where there's this intense nationalism and national pride and the tenets of our society were really built up and 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 that's when you really see people patriotic and, and really stand for the things that America um, or the, the principles by which America was was founded upon and other than that I don't know that there's a, a ton of patriotism thrown around um, 
but here we are in this event this this moment in history where uh, i think these tenets these principles are both being put to the test and being interpreted in a way that's quite uh interesting so life liberty and the pursuit of happiness where do those things end where do those um and i mean end like not like a dictator took over um and now there's no longer life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but you know where does this rugged american individualism uh where does this fall apart and i've made this point to john uh, many times on the podcast where you know whether it's in relation to the impeachment of the president uh, the former president donald trump or, or a number of other circumstances, at what point do our principles by which we were founded upon and interpreted over the last several hundred years, at what point do these principles ultimately become our downfall? And that means, um, for example, um, at what point are we willing to but the pursuit of individual happiness um, above that of maybe the collective happiness. And whatever makes you happy uh, might not actually align with the rest of society. Um, And it has a destructive effect on society. And at what point does your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness uh, become the downfall of the entire institution or the entire experiment? And that's tough because you shouldn't, you you should be principled. You shouldn't waver from your principles. But I often think at what point do those principles um, as those three words, life, liberty, five or life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, um, sort of destroy everything that we've been trying to create. So I wanted to... uh, and, and John Dewey is a a um, uh, 20th century philosopher, um, American philosopher, psychologist, and and I probably mentioned him before at some point, but uh, he was born in 1853, and and really his a lot of his ideas um, have really influenced educational and, and social reform. So I'm not gonna lie and tell you that um, this guy is some. <clears throat> individualist thinker that you know he's he's more of a john adams oh john adams more thomas jefferson type of big government individual or small government individual he's not he is he's education and social reformer he's probably far more uh, socialist i suppose so i'm going to prep that i'm going to preface that entire thing but what i would like to do is discuss uh or at least read a bit about responsibility and freedom and you know much of what we are dealing with at this moment in time is a reaction to things um, under the COVID veil right so going back to school um, there's there's two very different thought processes on on how we go back to school there uh, and so you can apply this idea of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness to just about everything that's happening because it's an experiment um, it's it's a it's actually a good experiment of 
of things that are going on in America. So let's just take going to school, back to school, for example. I don't have kids, so I don't know what it's like sending kids back to school in COVID. I mean, I do from people talking about it, but I asked a couple mothers recently, like, what do you think about sending your kids back to school with masks? And I acknowledge the fact that we don't really know what sort of psychological outcomes will will come from sending kids to school with masks on. I don't know. Um, and and it's, it's tough. Uh, I, I get it. I, but the fact that there are sides that are out there willing to almost act foolish to an extent um, makes me wonder how um, how much people have just gotten so riled up that they have are missing the forest for the trees and maybe just being more rational. I, I think we're sort of losing that. Uh, and it makes the entire conversation about, you know, how do we best uh, move our kids forward in this environment? Um, <clears throat> this comes to the individual uh, liberty piece where uh, it's very, it, there's there's a very selfish type of um, thought out there. There's this very selfish uh, viewpoint. And and there's, there is a very, uh, it's, there, there's very little thought of the person uh, or the commons, if you will. So basically what I'm saying, 30 minutes in, is that we want liberty in this country without responsibility. And I think it would be easier for people to say we want liberty, um, but we'll accept the consequence. And they're two different things. Liberty without the responsibility. Well, what is the responsibility? Well, unfortunately, in your case, proverbial, unfortunately, your liberty will come. It's like Newton's laws. There's equal opposite reaction. That your liberty, as important as it is, may impinge upon the liberty and the pursuit of happiness of one another. Your people are the people around you. So now we have to have a really tough conversation. At what point does your liberty and freedom stop because it's infringing upon the liberty and freedom of another? And how do we define that? It's a very difficult thing to define. So in comes John Dewey. <clears throat> so this is on responsibility and freedom. I'll post this in the show notes as well. So John Dewey says, the more consequential comprehensive and diversified the social order, the greater the responsibility and the freedom of the individual. His freedom is the greater because the more numerous are the effective stimuli to action and the more varied and the more certain the ways in which he may fulfill his powers. His responsibility is greater because there are more demands for considering the consequences of his actions and more agency for bringing home to him the recognition of consequences which affect not merely more persons individually, but which also influence the more remote and hidden social ties. So liability. Freedom and responsibility have a relatively superficial and negative meaning and a relatively positive central meaning. 
In its external aspect, responsibility is liability. An agent is free to act, yes, but he must stand the consequences, the disagreeable as well as the pleasant, the social as well as the physical. He may do a given act, but if so, let him look out. His act is a matter that concerns others as well as himself, and they will prove their concern by calling him to account. And if he cannot give a satisfactory and credible account of his intentions, subject him to correction. Each community and organization informs its members what is regarded as obnoxious and serves notice upon them that they have to answer if they offend. The individual then is one likely or liable to have to explain and justify his behavior and is liable to open to suffering consequent upon inability to make his explanation acceptable. You know, from an individual standpoint, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it becomes really difficult when goalposts are moved. Where we aren't all acting in uh, the same reality. And I think that's what, so so much of what I think that John Dewey said there is true and could be applied to today. But the problem is, is we are living in absolute alternate realities. Um, that when the goal, when the goalposts are moved, we can't have an honest discussion about liberty and responsibility and liberty and consequence because for one side, the consequences are, they either don't exist. Um, for example, COVID death rates or um, COVID incidence rate or vaccine outcomes <laughs> you know when you operate in a different a different plane a different reality it's very hard to have a conversation about liberty and freedom uh or or liberty and responsibility or liberty and consequence it's very hard and so you know cracking the code is is quite interesting um you know your your principles move with the goalposts and when you're not moving your goalposts and you're watching the other team move them, they eventually are playing a completely different game. Completely different game with different rules, different outcomes. You know, it might be the same playing field. It's America. Same landscape, same playing field, same geography. But the rules are different. So how do you get across liberty and responsibility and liberty and consequence? Consequence is tangible. Bad things happen. Good things happen. We're conditioned then, right? But we don't want to get to liberty and consequence. We just want liberty and responsibility. So how do we, how do we get people to take responsibility. And that's what's so frustrating. So. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I think in some places like Florida, uh, you know, from a from a 30,000 foot view here, it's very difficult to watch. Um, In some cases, the elected officials in places like Florida watch their their margins that they've won by. For example, if a um, elected official wins a district by 30,000 votes, but 40,000 people have died from COVID, chances are, um, demographically, uh, the vast majority of people that have passed away from COVID, at least in 2021, have been those who've been unvaccinated and tend to lean more right. Um, so in a way, you've got elected officials that are literally living in an alternate reality, playing a different game, with a different set of rules, um, and are killing their margins. And it's interesting that they can't see the forest for the trees. So get vaccinated, wash your hands, socially distance. Uh, it's not over, but it could be over if we wanted it to be. Um, <clears throat> well, let's see here. <clears throat> well, why don't we move on to Afghanistan? <laughs> um, I was at work and uh, my phone started blowing up. And it became apparent that multiple service members uh, were killed by an all-too-familiar group of people. Um, personally, it, it was uh, it was gut-wrenching. It was heartbreaking that we're, we're so close to the quote-unquote end of this, for at least for America, um, that young... Marines and, and naval corpsmen who joined the United States military, uh, very aware of the war stories of those that have served 20 years prior. Um, some that thought they would never see the combat, <clears throat> that in some cases they were maybe looking forward to or... Uh, or um, wanted that adventure who knows i mean everyone's motivation is slightly different but i imagine that there's a common thread among those who who enlist and commission um yeah it's heartbreaking the lives that were lost and it was heartbreaking that maybe you know it's very hard to say if we had done a slower withdrawal that we wouldn't have run into these situations that's an impossible thing it's a, it's almost an impossible um um a very hard thing to say, but I imagine, you know, probably would have. A war is, is horrific. Um, but I think that the death of these servicemen uh, hit home to a lot of folks, a lot of folks I know that have been in those, that exact place for deployments. And um, it's very tangible. It's very real. And, but the plan is on. The mission's on. It's the 29th today. The next couple days, we will all be gone. And we will have a chance to assess the aftermath. And I imagine there will still be American citizens in Afghanistan. And I imagine there will be a far greater number of people who um, have helped American forces over the last 20 years that are still in that country. And to see it fall 
uh, back into the hands of the Taliban, whether they're Taliban 2.0 or their original Taliban. It really doesn't matter. It wasn't really the outcome that Afghanistan needs. And that's sad. Um, the fact that uh, ISIS-K is present in Afghanistan is both not surprising um, but also has clearly had devastating effects already. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think we can Monday morning quarterback Afghanistan all day. We can every day. We can we can talk about uh, each president's role in this war. We can talk about the deal that was struck. We can talk about the way Biden handled the withdrawal. I think we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, But in this short podcast hour, I think that um, I think for what it's worth that um, a leader is responsible for the outcomes under their watch and how this plays out for President Biden. Um, He should be accountable and for the consequences of what happened under his watch. Um, You have to take it for a grain of salt, and you should see the forest for the trees, but, um, you know, it's a bummer. But I I do, by all accounts, in in the situation, or the the, 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 um, interactions that people I know with the president himself, <clears throat> I believe that the president is very genuine in not wanting to send American troops back to Afghanistan. I don't think, I think that's both just true prima facie, but also for the rest of the United States, I think there is a very little palate for and a taste for war. So um, certainly think he's reading a room, but uh, it was a devastating and, and horrible situation. I think this is not to overshadow the loss of life, but I think from a historical context, civilizations, empires, governments rise and they do fall. And I think that at this point, moving forward, every country in the world should really think hard about Afghanistan and their role in it in the future. Um, It is clearly shown to be an unconquerable nation. And Um, It'll be interesting to see, moving forward, what comes of it. I certainly think it seems as though China is knocking on the back door um, to see how they can best exploit the natural resources there. Um, And then, given its sort of lawlessness, I'm sure there are groups that are moving in, willing to capitalize on that. So, obviously, at the end of the day, I... I hope that there is no more American loss of life, just as a very close second is the loss of the autonomy of those people in Afghanistan and, and more importantly, the lives there um, that will sort of be put on hold given the ideology of those people who are in power there. Um, Sad. It's ultimate takeaway. Um, The loss of life was unnecessary. ISIS-K is a death cult. That's all it will ever be. And there's there's really no rationalizing with any group like that. 
I think rationalizing with someone like the Taliban is also a futile exercise, given the fact that their principles are so firmly aligned um, in what I consider a delusion. But um, and I imagine that most people that are subject to them believe it's a delusion as well, except for them themselves. So, um, you know, I wish I could point to what what is not doom and gloom. Uh, couple other things that have happened we've we've seen uh, the eviction moratorium from the supreme court lifted uh, we have also um, seen the passage of some very strict voting uh, rules in um, in texas uh, you know i i trying to think of something positive to point to and and uh was very very hard um but what i'm hopeful for at a minimum is that slowly but surely um we will move in the right direction um covid will become more unfortunately more normal um and and people will realize that they need to um, protect themselves, even if it's from a that selfishness um, closes in, and there's a realization that uh, those who are looking out for just themselves will realize that they the next step to looking after themselves is to get vaccinated because they don't want to die or they don't want poor outcomes. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful there. Um, and I'm hopeful that we learn to adapt. And I, I believe we are. We will learn to adapt with this. And, and I think uh, we'll have, we'll see countries open up. We will see families be able to uh, see one another again. Case in point would be Australia and New Zealand. And, uh, you know, we're free to move in the United States. And... I hope that we can do that less uh, with less baggage attached, and and so that I am aligned with those who don't see this as a big of deal. I see it as a big deal, uh, but at some point I hope we meet uh, some common ground where we can all realize that this is behind us. But I don't know how long that will take. So, um. I don't know if I have much more. Either way, uh, if you've made it all the way to 45 minutes of my rambling, I appreciate you sticking through. Please leave your comments at podomatic.com or wherever you are listening to your podcast. You can send any comments, concerns, questions over to modstate at modstate.com. That's M-O-D-S-T-A-T-E dot com, modstate at modstate.com. trying to be a little bit more engaged on those comments uh but it does help inform what we do so please leave them there that's modstate.com forward slash podomatic p-o-d-o-m-a-t-i-c podomatic.com i love you guys um and i appreciate you so until next time see you